tell you how the world is wrong. The world is wrong about Mad Dog Time, the Paperboy, Mordecai, after last season. The World is Wrong is an extremely positive podcast where Andras Jones and Brian Connolly champion films The World is Wrong About. Available on Paperhouse Network wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> I'm Leah Abramson and you're listening to Radio 8 Ball with Andras Jones. Welcome to Radio 8 Ball. Give us a sh sh shake. We're here on Feral Tempting Fate. Putting questions to the songs which we will randomly select you with the help of our friend Synchronicity. Radio 8 Ball. Give us a Welcome to the Radio 8 Ball Show. I'm your host, Andras Jones, and this is the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions like picking musical tarot cards. This is Radio 8 Ball Season 3, The Appening. 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 Where we are engaging the Pop Oracle using the Radio 8 Ball app, which is filled with every song recorded in the history of Radio 8 Ball, as well as a couple of hundred of my own. I hope by now you've downloaded the Radio 8 Ball app if you're an iPhone user. It's free and it allows you to play host and conduct your own musical divinations just as we do on the show. The app also plays the latest podcast and selects the randomly chosen Pop Oracle song of the day. On last week's episode of Radio 8 Ball, Josh Gordon asked, Will we be okay regardless of the outcome of the election? And received as his randomly chosen answer from the pop oracle, Soft Parts, from Leah Abramson, recorded live on KAOS in Olympia, Washington on March 21st, 2006. If you keep thinking that something's gonna happen We recorded this session with Leah Abramson on September 11th, 2020. For followers of Synchronicity, 9-11 is an unavoidable node, a nexus of reality, conspiracy, and sync. Our recent guest, Alan Green's new film, Hindsight 2020, builds upon this node, exploring the road through that infamous date toward the overwhelming cognitive dissonance we find ourselves in today. I will include a link to Hindsight 2020 in the show notes. Speaking of today, the skies of Olympia were and remain filled with smoke from the wildfires raging on the west coast of the United States. The death tolls from the COVID pandemic continue to rise as students and teachers are being ordered back into classrooms. And in the UK, Julian Assange faces charges of espionage from the United States, which is seeking to extradite him for the crime of practicing journalism. 
Meanwhile, there's an election coming up, and the party we are supposed to be supporting as the alternative to Trump remains hostile to Assange, loyal to global polluters, and opposed to Medicare for all. With all that in the air, both figuratively and literally, Leah and I spent a fair chunk of our time on the show talking about one of my favorite topics, anti-Semitism. It's a topic we've dipped into many times on the show, but I think this may have been our most fruitful conversation on the topic. If you're interested in understanding the dynamics of this much misunderstood pattern of oppression, I hope this conversation serves you. If you aren't interested in understanding more about how anti-Semitism works, I hope you will ask yourself why. I'll give you a hint. The answer is anti-Semitism. In other news from my synchronistic expeditions within my Covidian attic refuge, as I discussed on last week's episode, I've been inspired to play with and share the Landslide 2020 voting app with the goal of ousting Trump and maybe helping some progressive candidates like Shahid Buttar to unseat powerful incumbents like Nancy Pelosi. It's a nifty little project that allows users to check their voting registration, get accurate voting information for their district, and invite their friends to do likewise. It gamifies the election in some pleasing ways and offers an opportunity to exert a positive influence on those who live in the swing states that will have the most effect upon the outcome of the election. And yet, when I have tried to share this potentially powerful tool with Democrats, the ones who are constantly telling me how important it is to elect Biden and blaming progressives who have misgivings about him for his potential Clintonian defeat, I have found that these Democrats are either ambivalent, dubious, or hostile toward my attempts to help their candidate win. I tell them the app doesn't collect their data, that it's free, that it was designed by two guys from Nevada City, which I remind them isn't in Russia. I tell them I've been using it and that it has inspired even me to campaign for their guide despite my cynicism about the candidate and the process. I point out to them that if they trust the MSNBC app or the ESPN app or have donated to a political campaign in the last couple of election cycles, they are far more exposed than they might be by inviting their friends to make sure they are registered to vote and have accurate voting information. You'd be surprised how many political arguments I've been in this week with Democrats who reject this invitation. If you're listening to this and you are more interested in defeating Trump than tweeting about him or bullying progressives into voting against their interests, and you'd like to get an invitation to the Landslide 2020 app, please reach out to me through one of the social media platforms or the contact form at www.radio8ball.com. It's actually fun. Not the arguing with brainwashed capital D Democrats, but offering voting information to committed small-D Democrats. When it comes to elections, participation is everything. Same goes for podcasts. And that's why, during every episode, I invite you to, one, download the Radio 8 Ball app and share it with your friends, play the game, 
get involved in musical divination activities on your own. Two, join our Patreon campaign. It's just a dollar a month, and you get to follow us backstage and hear my question for the Pop Oracle. And three, please leave good ratings and reviews for the show on Apple Podcasts, which helps people find our show. And, of course, if you haven't already, please don't forget to hit subscribe in your podcast app so you'll get our episodes as soon as they are released. And before we get down to digging into some synchronicity with this week's guest, let's do as we always do and kick off our musical divination with the Pop Oracle Song of the Day from the day I had my conversation with Leah Abramson on September 11th, 2020. That song is Sometimes I Sleep With Evil by Jenny Jenkins, recorded on KAOS in Olympia, Washington on September 20th, 2005. Okay, I've got... Okay, now Andras is turned down, and the collar is turned down. It's just me and you. Okay. This is my big hit sometimes. Andres, do you want to sing along with me? You should sing along on this part. Okay. And...
You can't catch all what? Ah. You can't catch all wild horses. Caves are made into golf courses. Never mind, cause divorces make us feel so sad. We're capable of so much more than what they're selling in the store. And way down deep in at the core, we're really not that bad. Sometimes I sleep with evil. Sometimes I sleep with evil. Sometimes I sleep with evil because evil turns me on. Was a scrappy little backing vocal of mine with Jenny Jenkins' great song, Sometimes I Sleep With Evil. And here we are on September 11th, 2020, hanging out with Leah Abramson in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Well, on the line with Leah Abramson in Vancouver. I wish I was there, but I'm not. I'm in Olympia. Hey, Leah, welcome to Radio 8 Ball. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, welcome back, actually. It's been a long time. It's been a really long time. The last time you were on the show, you were touring with the great Bob Wiseman. Yeah. And coming through KAOS and Olympia. And if I remember correctly, we sort of went back and forth doing the divinations with Europe songs and then with Bob songs. Mm-hmm. And I remember, and I, I, have, I enjoy Bob a lot, but I remember he was a little bit more challenging and antagonistic to the format <laughs> than you were. And I remember yeah, I you uh, <laughs> taking to it a little bit easier and, uh, you know, find being comfortable with it. So I hope that uh, continues to be the case here. What are your, well, actually, before we get into talking about the time you were on the show, let's just check in with you. Wh- where and how are you pandemicking? Uh, well, as you said, I'm in Vancouver, BC, Canada, and there, there are much worse places to be right now in the world. Um, our pandemic life is pretty good comparatively, I guess you could say. Our case numbers just had a bit of a jump, so that's not the greatest. Um, and yesterday was the first day of school here, so kids are kind of back to school, although definitely there's some parents who are a little worried about that. I have a toddler who was supposed to be in daycare, but I decided not to put her in daycare, uh, mostly because I want her to be able to see my elderly parents who are not in the greatest health and um, I'm protecting them. And so, yeah, you know, there's some tough choices that still need to be made here. Um, But we've got it pretty good compared to a lot of places right now. Um, And I'm in an apartment. We're moving soon to a bit of a bigger space, which will be nice for the winter. Um, but, you know, there's some challenges. Um, I am a little bit worried about how winter is going to go and if we're going to get locked down again and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, there's still a pandemic over here in Canada. Um, it's just our province has been doing okay. We've been pretty careful with things so far. I'm, I'm not surprised. So many of my Vancouverite friends are some of the smartest people I know, so... 
I'm not surprised <laughs> that there's an intelligent response to this uh, science-based problem. Oh, I mean, I, you know, there is, but at the same time, you know, there's there's idiots everywhere in the world, you know? It's <laughs> people, and like also, you know, people have fatigue. Like, it's hard to be locked down and not see your friends and, you know, like... It's, you know, like people have it here too. Like definitely not everybody's on board with everything and there's been big parties and like all that kind of stuff is happening here too. But I think generally people are more on board with the science. So, and like, you know, as a, as a country and province, like people have been like the majority is on board. So that's helpful. Are you making music or what's your, what's going on with you musically? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, well, so I was supposed to have a big project that was happening in January. Um, it was so my last project was called Songs for a Lost Pod, and there's an album and um, and a stage show. And I was planning on putting up on a big stage show in January with visuals and you know a big studio theater and you know professional singers. And I was going to music direct, and it was this big production that was planned for. Um, January and obviously that's on hold because it's not really safe to rehearse in a room full of singers at the moment. There'd be eight singers in a room and we can't really do that right now. Um, or we don't have a room that's big enough for that. It doesn't quite feel safe to do that. So uh, that's on hold, but I am going to be writing a script for that show this fall. I'm going to be doing like a playwriting workshop to kind of work on that script. And I'm also writing some songs uh, with my friend Barbara Adler, who is producing a new musical about mermaids in Florida. So there's actually these mermaids who do live shows. I'm not sure if it's still happening. I think it's sort of a dying art. But there would be these women who put on these mermaid shows um, in these tanks and hold their breath and perform as mermaids. And she's writing a musical about this concept. And I'm writing some of the music for her lyrics, and that's also really fun. So I've been writing these songs and musicals, which is not something I've done before, but that I really, really love. So I'm lucky to have a little bit of time to do that kind of stuff. And yeah, parenting and I'm teaching a little bit online and just kind of do what I can. I led a few sound blocks last month, um, distant sound blocks for people around the city and kind of doing what I can. Um, and mostly, yeah, spending my days with the toddler. So fill us in there. What is a sound walk? A soundwalk. A soundwalk? Um, so it's any sort of excursion where your main objective is listening to the environment. So you might walk around your neighborhood all the time and you probably don't pay attention a lot to the sounds because you know the environment so well, you're just kind of in your own head, whatever, and you experience it kind of in a similar way every time. But if you're going on a soundwalk, you could tune in especially to the sounds around you um, and that would provide a different kind of perspective for you on the environment that you're in. Um, you might notice things that you don't always notice or that you've never noticed before and usually when you're paying attention to the sounds you'll listen you'll like hear or you'll see things that you haven't seen before all of your senses get heightened a little bit which is a different way of experiencing the environment it's um yeah uh, there's sort of a term called acoustic ecology so ways of paying attention to the environment and um, appreciating the environment um, in an acoustic way. Um, and, you know, you can get into things like sound pollution or listening to the city or 
you know, there's meditative ways of doing it where you're trying not to judge the sounds because there might be something really obnoxious that you are kind of blocking out. But if you listen to it in a new way, maybe you can relate to it in a different way. There's a lot. Anyway, I could go on. There's a lot of stuff there that you can kind of um, explore when you're sound walking. And is that something that you just start? Like, are you doing that as part of a an organization or is this just something that you've taken on for yourself? Is this something that individual, I've, um, I'm excited. This is really exciting. I've do, never heard of this before. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of people who do sound walks. Um, it, sort of, it has a long history. Actually it has a long history in Vancouver too, because there's an artist called Hildegard Westerkamp who, um, who kind of started a lot of this stuff in the seventies with a group of, of um, artists up here. Um, and she's like a, she's a pretty great sound soundscape artist and um she does a lot of work sort of in sound theory and stuff like that she's got a great website you can check out um with a lot of the sort of theory behind it and different kinds of things that she does and she does workshops and and she has um compositions all kind of stuff so yeah there's there's definitely people here who are into it um as a way of exploring you know sound and even music like there's ways of listening to the environment but are comparable to listening to music or music in, uh, in conjunction with sound and soundscape. Um, so yeah, it's sort, of, it's sort of a different vein of music and sound and art altogether. Yeah, yeah. Wow. did that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, it, it makes... Are you familiar <laughs> with the concept of eco-psychology? Um, a little bit. Maybe you should just give me a little rundown, though. Well, just basically the idea that being in nature is inherently good for your psychology, and mm-hmm. and likewise, being completely separated from nature leads to all kinds of psychological problems. So something about something about yeah. this reminds seems like it falls. Mm-hmm into the category of eco-psychology. And what I like about it is a lot of eco-psychology is the idea of like, you have to go out into the woods and you have to go out someplace and Mm -hmm. be there. And I think there's something great about that, but I love the idea that in your own neighborhood, you can find that your own neighborhood is a natural environment. Yeah. I know. I I work with a lot of seniors and we did walks and sound walks together and it's amazing, like right in the heart of the city, there are actually a ton of birds. And you don't always hear them. You really have to listen for them, but they're there, you know, and there is nature in the city. It's just finding those little pockets and actually looking for it. Are you familiar with Veda Hilly's song, Luck Lucky? Yeah. Luck, lucky, luck, luck, lucky, luck, lucky, luck, luck, lucky, luck, lucky, luck, lucky, luck, there is the place you know. There is the place you don't know. Curtain number one, curtain number one. You are blind, blind, blind. Something about this, it's a song so much about place and sort of the Mm -hmm. animal, the human animal in the urban environment, reclaiming Mm -hmm. that. I don't know, something about this uh, resonates. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's something I think about a lot, too, just like we we are in our so-called natural environment in the city. We've created this environment for ourselves, so our habitat, you know? Yeah. For better or for worse. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, okay, well, let's let's move on here. Your song came up as the answer to last week's question, which is why you're here. Mm-hmm. And... The question was about our uh, upcoming U.S. election, which, um, as uh, you know, as frustrating as it is as a, as an American, I'm sure it must be just or be be similarly frustrating as someone who lives in a country where what happens in America is going to have some effect on your lives as well. So you got some mm-hmm. some blood in the game, as they say, some skin in the game, as they say. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what you think about the song Soft Parts as the answer to Josh's question, which was, will we be okay, whatever the outcome of the election? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, his interpretation... made sense like yeah I think he was sort of maybe more optimistic than me I'm not sure um, I think you know the idea of this vulnerability and all that like how do I say this I think the you know, I hadn't actually listened to soft parts for a really long time, and it was really interesting listening to it because I must have written that song in my early 20s, and now I'm in my late 30s. And I've lived a lot of my life as an adult in, you know, ways that I might not have expected. In other ways, the world is definitely not what I expected it would be when I was in my early 20s. And some of it definitely still resonated with me, but also I saw some things about myself that I almost didn't admit to myself at that point, but was still writing about, if that makes sense. Like, there were things that I was talking about that I don't even think I was aware of at the time. And I think the way that it resonated, or how, like, I... I like Josh's interpretation, but also I kind of have my own interpretation of it coming up in the sense that that song to me is a lot about the legacy of trauma in our own individual lives. Mm -hmm. And if we extend that to the legacy of trauma in a society, then I think I really see where the states are right now. And, you know, like, I also don't want to just put this on the states, like, I think all colonial countries have these same issues. Mm-hmm. You know, like Canada has its own shit. And and Canada has definitely, like, you know, we are not perfect over here. Like, yes, some things are better, but there's a lot of violence in our Indigenous communities with police. Um, we have definitely some of those same legacies. Um, and I guess what struck me was that that song to me is about sort of the legacy of violence in our own lives. But those things extend to societies, like the violence of societies. And, you know, those things don't just go away in one or two generations. Those things really stick around. Like, you can't change an entire attitude 
Like, think about the 60s in the States. Like, segregation was, like, just starting to end. Like, that's not very long ago. You know, the the baby boomers were alive then and absorbed all of that information, all of those attitudes. Like, it doesn't just go away. And neither does white supremacy, neither do those attitudes. They get passed down within families. Like, my great, or my grandmother, so my mother's mother, was in concentration camp. She survived the Holocaust, and that's my grandma who I grew up around. And so it's not very long, right? She was born in 1911, and here I am in 2020, and I'm here, and I'm an adult, and I'm of the generation that is living through everything as an adult raising my kids, and I'm impacted by my grandmother at the turn of the century. You know, like those things, like it seems like a long time ago, slavery, but it's really not. It seems like a long time ago, residential schools here for Indigenous people, but it's really not. And those impacts, you know, my grandma's trauma has definitely impacted me. And I think that's kind of what that song, like, says to me, um, or is, is bringing up for me um, in relation to the election and those questions and a, such a divided society. Well... You know, the Civil War wasn't that long ago. And yes, it was a very divided society. And it's still a divided society. It actually hasn't changed that much. You know? And, like, I don't know what the answer is to that. Maybe that's going to be my next question. But, um, like, I, I guess that's what that song brought up to me, is that those things don't just evaporate because... Some of us have moved on or some of us have, tried, like, you know, those things are very deeply ingrained and there has to be a lot of healing that is done. And if you don't actively focus on that healing, it doesn't, all that hurt, this gets passed down and transforms and shows up in different ways. Um, so, yeah, I guess that, that was sort of my interpretation of the song coming up, like, in addition to Josh's. Um does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, it's funny because I totally get that thing of like you haven't listened, listened to it in a long time and you're coming back to it. For me, this song has been you for the last, for, for since you were on the show back in 2005 right. or six, And it is one of those songs that every time it comes up, it just stops the world for me. And when you're talking mm. about what what it means to you, um, well, it, it stops the world even a little bit more. Um, but it, I just want to talk a little bit about the song itself. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. That opening line is so compelling. Uh, when you think that something's going to happen, there's a greater chance that it can happen. Mm-hmm. And, um. oh, go on. No, please go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that when you're talking about it now, you are talking about, you're talking from the standpoint of recognizing that that trauma has, like, is unavoidable. And in the song, there's something that's maybe a little bit more optimistic and aspirational that, like, it can, the these things can't affect us, can't hurt the soft parts of us. Mm-hmm. Has mm-hmm. your attitude about the... I mean, is that something... Am I misinterpreting it? Or has your attitude about uh, the song changed? 
I think that there's sort of both of those things in the song where like this person in the song, either a character or me, probably a combination of both, is creating this protective shell to protect herself from more trauma, essentially. Um, or like hurt from other people, right? Because she's been hurt before. But there's that essential part of us that can't be destroyed, you know? Like that, you know, even if she's not letting people in, there's this part of herself that's hers that can't be broken. And I think that that's still true. But I also think that that protective mechanism, those walls around, yes, they serve a very important function, but at some point they become detrimental to our lives. At some point they don't serve us anymore. Yeah. And that's when it becomes tricky. Um, and I think at that point I hadn't quite figured that part out. And I recognized this little part of me that nobody could break and nobody could touch, which was really important and really saved me. But at the same time, at some point, if you want to connect with people, you have to let people in. And that part's always been hard. It's like opening back up with that risk of somebody hurting you. And, you know, the end of that song is, you're not coming home up tonight. Like, you're going to stay away because I don't trust this. But maybe if you try hard enough, and maybe if you think it's going to happen, like, maybe I'll let you in eventually. Like, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's something that I'm going to ask about in my when, it, when it's my turn, so... Mm-hmm. Anyone who's listening should join the Patreon campaign so you can hear my question. But I'm going to ta- ask a, talk a little bit about it. Um, do you feel like, because you, you, as you mentioned, one of the areas of personal trauma for you comes from, it's, it particularly has to do with your Jewishness. And although my last name is Jones, I'm, I'm Jewish as well. And mm-hmm. I find that it's that is one of the hardest... I don't know, oppression patterns or, you know, generational traumas to talk about with people. I feel like it's one of the most, one of the least understood um, Mm -hmm. patterns. And my own experience is that whenever I, people tend to be really open to discussing it unless it's being brought up, kind of like... Mm. everyone's like oh yeah I'm opposed to that I'm opposed to that well what about it here oh no no like in every it's sort of it's one of those words that sends people otherwise rational people into um, a, a kind of I don't know justification response thing and we see that as a you know with racism with sexism that sort of like mm-hmm. not all I mean all lives matter or it's not all men or all mm-hmm. this stuff and I get that mm-hmm. but even then there's sort of a cultural understanding that that response is not really the appropriate response when this when someone brings this up. But I feel like with anti-Semitism mm-hmm. and Jewish trauma, it's particularly sticky and hard to, to discuss. Have you found that for you? Yeah, I mean, it's. I think part of it is just that Jews in America and Canada actually do have quite a lot of privilege. You know, like, we do have a lot of advantages and we've created 
these advantages for ourselves to a large part, you know, like the Vancouver Club. And I think they let Jews started letting Jews into the Vancouver Club in the 1970s or something like that. Not very long ago. Um, but now, you know, like Jews are part of mainstream society. We're successful, like, you know, generally like accepted. Um, I can pass. Nobody, you know, unless there's another Jew, they might recognize me, definitely my name. But like I, I walk around and nobody knows that I'm Jewish. You know, if I were black, that would be a totally different story. You know, and so we don't experience racism in the, in the same way as people of color. Um, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But I think our, our relative privilege allows people to kind of like brush it off and brush off our experiences a little bit more um, and say, oh, well, it's not as bad as so-and-so. It's not as bad as blah, 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 you know, which is true. But at the same time, doesn't necessarily like, you know, we do have our own experiences with it and our own history with it, you know, like, and, you know, it's in a way I feel like it allows me to understand some of the experiences of people of color with, you know, slavery and stuff, you know, the Holocaust, like I, like there is a lot of trauma in my background. And so I can relate in certain ways that I might not otherwise be able to relate, which I appreciate, like, but I do have this privilege to walk around and not have people react to me based on the color of my skin. So I don't know, it's tricky. You know, it's like when we start comparing people's traumas and like, which is worse and all that kind of stuff. Like it's, you know, everyone has their own experience. Um, but like also everyone has their own privilege and it's important to recognize your own. But yeah, like, I don't know, like, there's certain things that make people uncomfortable to talk about. Lots of things. And depends on who you're talking to. Um, but yeah, like people don't always understand everybody else's experiences. And I will never fully understand someone else's experience who has darker skin than me. I just like, I just won't fully ever be like, I won't understand them unless I have experienced it. And that's just, you know, but I don't know if that really answers your question. I just think that some things are hard for people to talk about. And also, you know, on the left, there's a lot of, you know, like I'm not a supporter of Israel, but I know a lot of Jewish people are. And that can be a real sticky point with people on the left who are supporters of Palestine. And that whole thing just like gets really sticky with people too, where, you know, and then people feel like, you know, it's anti-Jewish and it's just like, it's a whole... I don't know, politics get really tricky and I don't know, you know, I don't have an answer for that because it just, yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, I have a, I have a question. I think that the touches on that and we'll get into that in the bonus segment, but mm -hmm. let's, let's move on. Um, I have, because okay. I, that's a conversation. I could have an hour-long conversation just about that. Yeah. And I feel like it, it kind of, that's part of it. It requires, it is sticky and requires, yeah. like, you have to untangle the Israel strand and you have to untangle yeah. the comparative uh, oppression yeah. strand. And then yeah. <laughs> it's very hard to do, uh, even when it's in a, in a vacuum between Jews as opposed to in a heightened mm -hmm. situation where a Jew is trying to point out to someone who's a non-Jew, hey, what's happening right now is setting off all my alarms can we address it yeah totally but uh it's 
let's just, I don't know, I, I'm sure that there will be a connection to this as we seek into discussing the uh, pop oracle song of the day from Jenny Jenkins, another, mm-hmm. um, another hidden Jew from the Northwest, and her song, Sometimes I Sleep With Evil. I hate myself, and that is why I'm such a self-destructive guy, but if I were a bird, I'd fly as I try to be. Jenny's been on Radio 8 Ball so many times, and she's amazing, and I love her, and she's wonderful. And this is September 11th, and to get a song called Sometimes I Sleep With Evil on this day, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. sort of, uh, you know, there's <laughs> there's a lot there. What did you make mm-hmm. of that as today's song? Did you have any synchronicities with it or thoughts about it? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I'm in Canada. Until you said the date when we did our intro, I was like, oh, September 11th, because it's it doesn't have the same kind of impact here. Just we don't see it in the same or we don't um, mark it in the same way. Um, and then I was like, oh, wow, today's actually a really significant day in America, and I hadn't thought of it yet. Um, and so thinking about that, of course, yeah, that has an impact um like i guess i was thinking about the song more in relation to what we were talking about before and um you know josh's question and that kind of thing and 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 also just i guess i was thinking about it mostly in terms of the divide between people um and how it's really like it's really gray. Like, like it's easy to just see these two factions, but at the same time, like, you know, within our own families, within our communities, people we talk to every day, there's people who are on very much opposing sides of issues, but we also coexist and we also talk to these people. And we also may not know that who we're talking to has completely opposing views to us. But when we don't know that and we communicate, we get along. So it's like only, you know, on the surface, we actually have a lot more in common than we do the similar. And we might not even realize that somebody has those views, you know, until you talk about something like that. And like the sleeping with evil, like, well, yeah, like you could easily find somebody evil, sexy. You could and there's something, there's also something about that, like that kind of badness that is sexy. And that's a totally other strand. Um, I think that's what she's singing. I think that's what she's singing about. Yeah. A lot of her yeah. songs, she has just, they're very juicy, sexy songs that she sings. A lot of her songs are about her desires and exploring mm-hmm. those and so mm-hmm. and this was for of all of those this was sort of like in our town of olympia where she was this was sort of her hit song like she had to play it at every mm-hmm. show people sang along mm-hmm. with it. it there's something that is very um you know it has that thing that a song can do where it takes mm-hmm. a sort of a 
a complex and a, an idea that might be hard to say and turns it into something that's really easy for everyone to sing. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe in itself, like, demonstrates that. Like, we all want to sing that Sometimes I Sleep With Evil. Because there is something mm-hmm. <laughs> sexy about whether or not you do it, there's something sexy about the idea. The sex, something sexy about yeah. the idea of, like, yeah, I can sleep with that devil. Yeah, I can, you know, mm-hmm. I can... And then go to, you know, and not go to church in the morning, but go for a sound walk in the morning. I can be sacred. I can be a <laughs> devil at night. And I can be still still be sacred in the morning. Uh, uh, I feel like that's like every Republican. <laughs> Ouch. Um, yeah, well, sorry. It's, I'm Canadian. Can I say that? It's true. No, no. I'm. <laughs> can I be partisan? <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's true of, I mean, that's, that's where, like, for me, when I think about this, it's, I go back to thinking about the election. Like right now. I am, after spending my entire political life opposing Joe Biden and everything he stands for, and mm-hmm. a- very actively doing that for the last year and a half, I am now mm-hmm. sleeping with that evil and trying yeah. to help it get elected. It's yeah. not, and it's not the sexy kind of evil. <laughs> it, mm-hmm. It's the, it's the, oh my God, like, this is, yeah. this is hard. And it's, you know, yeah. and it's particularly difficult because, um, I don't know, I'm just finding, I, I don't feel like he's trying, that he or the people who keep telling me I need to vote for him are helping much. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's real. that's, it makes it very difficult, but. Um, well, hard choices, right? Like it is a year of really hard choices and that is a hard choice, you know, like it's not, you know, like he, he's better than evil, but he's not like. He's not amazing, he, but he's better than complete evil, I guess. Yeah, you know? 90% like, evil is like, better than 100% evil. Exactly. exactly. It's like there's tough choices to be made, right? Like, and I mean, I, you know, I have to say, like, I don't know a ton. Like, I, I know just the broad strokes with Joe Biden. I was just like, eh, he seems like not the greatest, but that, you know. Like, I, I'm not obviously as invested as you are and, like, haven't spent as much time examining all the candidates and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, obviously it does affect us up here as well and um, and affects the entire world and climate change and, like, the, yeah, it affects the earth. Yeah. <laughs> the whole yeah. world is messed up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I well, know. I mean, uh, the, the fact for those of us in America, we're all, I mean... If you ask most Americans about any other country's election, if you ask most Americans about mm-hmm. our own elections, there are certainly there are people who are have some very wrong ideas or are very unformed. But you know, I, you know, you're sort of apologizing for for not knowing all the details about Joe Biden. The fact that you know anything about our elections, again, <laughs> point for Canada. Well, you know, we're we're relatively small, and a lot depends on you guys for us. So. Yeah, I'm we sorry. We do keep track of American stuff, right? It's it's necessary. And it's funny I mean, that I think oh, the world does too. I was going to say that that September 11th is not a big deal. I mean, I get it. I get that it it's like right now. There's a bunch of patriot flag waving patriots with guns gathering on the Capitol grounds, not far from where I live, okay. to celebrate this day um, mm. or memorialize this day. So I don't. I don't mm-hmm. think that there's something anything particularly great about that. But for me, mm-hmm. September 11th is always going to be 
connected to Canada because I was in Toronto, staying in Toronto at the beginning of a a two-month tour of the United States behind my record, A Curmudgeon for All Seasons, which was a collection of anti-holiday songs that were highly critical of the United States. when the towers came down so i will always my i spent that those five days around that in toronto trying to figure Mm -hmm. out how to get back into the states and for my other gigs and just so yeah so that experience is always going to be my september 11th is always going to be a canadian experience Uh, right so well let's uh let's let's keep moving on here and you have the app, which is great. Oh, yeah. And do you have a question for the Pop Oracle? Oh, well, you know, related to what we were talking about before, oh, I guess I should just ask it, shouldn't I? Okay. Um, I will speak as I write it. How do we heal our divisions? How about our divisions and our traumas? That's a very big question. I hope it's got a good song for us. Okay, done. Let's (laughs) upload that. Here we go. Now, give it a shake. Oh, I have to shake it. Uh, Oh, Train Conversations, Vivian Cook. (laughs) (laughs) I should have written it in. Let's do it. Long play. (laughs) All right. Met a boy named Jesus on a train to San Francisco He told me about his sister and he taught me how to whistle I said, Jesus, I don't understand how I could live according to your plan He said, you could always change your name or all the dust all the same But a boy named Robert E. Lee Who spoke in rhyme in three-part harmony I did not yet understand that a loving man has calloused hands he told me about all his trials The whole time he couldn't help but smile If he loved something, let it go If it comes back, well then now you know Train conversation But a girl named Mercury Who moved like art and danced like steam She had the kind of vibes that make strong men turn to compromise She took me into a bed and there she turned on the thought Red. I used to think in twos and threes The red's the only color for me Met a boy named Lucifer Thought, God, you mommy must have hated her He said, baby, will you ever forget the day That you and I first met Pour me a shot of four and that's how I came to see the score He had been her favorite son 
morning star shining one Conversation. But a girl named Blythe who was head over heels with life, she practiced climbing trees and did her business on her knees. She ran until she couldn't breathe, and that's how she lived life. There's one thing found to be true It's that you can't get back You don't do No, you can't get back What you don't do But I keep on riding Oh, in search of you Yeah, you got me Strange altercations And that was Vivian Cook with Train Conversations recorded live on Radio 8 Ball at Starburns Industries in Burbank, California on November 10th 2017, and that was the answer to Leah Abramson's song, I mean, song, Leah Abramson's question, how can we heal our divisions and trauma? So, Leah, what did you think about that as the answer to your question? Well, the first verse is pretty hilarious in response. Well, not hilarious, but it's a pretty, you know, like meeting Jesus on a train, like asking Jesus, like, what would Jesus do? Um, and then I also thought the Robert E. Lee, that's, isn't that a Confederate general? Yeah. Confederate general. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty interesting that those, you know, that Jesus and a Confederate general popped up in this song. It was pretty interesting. Um, and Lucifer, that harkens back to our sleeping with evil. Sleeping with evil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's definitely like, you know, a through like a thread that's going through all this stuff. Um, yeah, uh, I guess I can take it to mean that we just need to have lots of conversations with all kinds of different people and try to understand everybody's point of view and just like communicate. But I mean, it's, that's very, a very simplistic kind of way to answer that question. I mean, it's an unanswerable question, really. And, you know, communication and conversation is probably our best shot at, at trying to heal some of this stuff. Um, I guess that's what I take from it in a nutshell. What do you think? Yeah. Well, there were a couple... The first thing, because it's about the train, and the first thing that I thought of was the line, you can't stand still on a moving train. 
And so this, you know, regardless of what we're doing, we are moving towards the ine inevitability of whatever that is, mm -hmm. uh, whatever the next station mm -hmm. is. So when the idea of like, how can we heal our divisions and our trauma? Basically, we carry those with us like the passengers on a train mm -hmm. wherever we go. Mm -hmm. And we like there really isn't like there's no time to sort of compartmentalize and stop. Okay, I'm going to stop and do my healing. I'm going to heal divisions and trauma now, and then I'll get back to doing what I need to do in life. It's right. like we have to find a way to multitask, to mm -hmm. keep moving through life while constantly healing and healing our divisions. And I was really interested when you said, how can we heal our divisions particularly because of what we were talking about in relationship to soft parts, I thought of it in a two-tiered way. Once there's the macro divisions mm -hmm. between people, and then there's the micro divisions within individuals, mm -hmm. which is, I think that's kind of where my mind went. Mm -hmm. And so all of these things, talking with Jesus, talking with the history of, the, of oppression mm -hmm. and slavery, talking with Mercury, Talking with Lucifer mm -hmm. and then talking with Blyth. Blyth. <laughs> Blyth is the name of the character in the song, uh, who's the only one who's not an archetype. And I feel like maybe he's more of a stand in for Vivian, mm -hmm. the singer, and maybe who she relates to. And that all of these are, so for her, the, the all of these are archetypes on that train, which is her. Mm -hmm. And she's having conversations, maybe you know, internally with these. Confli you know, if you think of Jesus and Robert E. Lee and Lucifer and Mercury as being not all necessarily in agreement, mm -hmm. then how do we live with all of these conflicting, uh, I don't know, archetypes that are living inside of us? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I also, I, and I just, I want to look at that, like the uh, maybe looking at the final character, that final verse about Blythe, who was head over heels with life. She practiced climbing trees and did her business on her knees. She ran until she couldn't breathe, and that's how she lived with ease. If there's one thing I found to be true, it's that you can't get back what you don't do. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, something about that, it's different, but it also felt like it had a resonance with the idea of these sound walks. Again, and mm -hmm. what, what's in that Veda Hilly song is this sense of finding that part of ourself that isn't divided from nature mm -hmm. that is climbing trees and is head over heels with life and is doing things because they're there to do, you know, in mm -hmm. a way that is easier when you're young and maybe more difficult as you, as we get older, mm -hmm. um, you know, as a parent, you're seeing that right inside, but like finding that stillness inside of us, which is maybe easier to do when we're in nature. Um, and that wildness, mm -hmm. like stillness, but also a, a sense of action and wildness and engagement with the full field of reality, mm -hmm. right? We haven't, because we haven't made up our mind about a lot of things. So we're just still figuring it out mm -hmm. when we're young and wild. Yeah, I mean, every, I can speak from the toddler's perspective, but everything is a every new thing is like a peak experience. Every new thing is like, it's the first time you've ever seen it or done it or like experienced it in that way. And your senses and your perception is constantly growing and changing. 
past, or you can even experience something you've seen a million times for the first time with your new perceptions and your new abilities. So there's like constant growth and constant change and constant re-experiencing of the world. Um, yeah, that's really Have you known amazing. any Blythes? Um, you know, I think a lot of children, for sure. You know, and I think a lot of us lose that ability when we're older, or maybe we get it in different ways. We, you know, take drugs or drink or, you know, find our way back to those things through, you know, altering our experience slightly or, you know, through sports or through like, it's always mediated later on or mediated through society, through, you know, not a lot of us have that kind of freedom as adults to do that. Um, I think you might have misheard my question, but I'm kind of curious what you thought I asked. I asked, <laughs> have you known any other Blythes? Oh, like... But what did you think I asked? Oh, oh like Blythes, like actual with people with the name Blythe? People with the name Blythe. That's not a name that I know, like the only one I could think of <laughs> is Blythe meant, Danner. I like, the, the character actress. in this song, if I know anyone. <laughs> okay, that's like kind of what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't. No. I was being really literal. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I did not expect you to be so literal. And I do, I have not met any Blythe in my life. But I've heard the name before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's funny the way she, I remember that when she asked the quote, when it came up on the show, I couldn't help, I couldn't get over, and I still can't get over the phrasing of Blythe mm. was head over heel with Blythe. Mm. I mean, I don't know why, like, I love it. It's one of those things as an artist that I love. It's like, that was totally unnecessary. You could have said, I met a girl named Blythe who was head over heels with life. Mm-hmm. And it would have just work, worked. But it maybe was, must have been in how it, how it scanned for her. Mm-hmm. But I just love that you said Blythe and Blythe. <laughs> that's one of those things that as a listener and as a songwriter, I get some wonderful perverse pleasure from. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the syllables of the name. Mercury, Lucifer, all three, Robert E. Lee. Yeah, different global counts. It's, it's funny, you're even, uh, you you picked up a little bit on her vocal quality, the way you said those two. She has a very unique style. And she will be, if she accepts, she will be our guest on next week's episode. Hi. Um, so we're going we're gonna to move towards uh, the the bonus backstage section where I ask my question. But before we do, uh, is there anything that you'd like to let our listeners know about as far as, you know, the last time you were on the show was March 21st, 2005 or 2006. So for anyone who's been following Radio 8 Ball and maybe is aware of that song, (laughs) I'd like to give you a minute to sort of fill in the blanks of from there oh my to God, now. 15 years. I know you have a website I where people can website. find your stuff and I'll provide that link. But is there any, maybe is there one entry point? If someone's like, oh, wow, this, this artist sounds interesting. Yeah. Where should I start? Um, you know, when I find someone who's got so many records, that can be a little bit daunting. Yeah, I mean, I don't have, I thought, you know, I guess about four records that I would consider sharing with people. <laughs> um. And the one that Soft Hearts is on, I believe, was sort of my kind of first one, besides the one I don't count. Um, 
And so maybe the one after that is the first Abramson Singers record. So I started a band after after that tour with Bob. I started a band and recorded a couple records with that band. Um, so you can check out the Abramson Singers record. If you, I mean, the I have a big project about whales, um, in particular, like orcas on, in the Pacific Northwest. So if you're interested in that, Songs for a Lost Pod, it also has a graphic novel uh, that accompanies it. And um, it's, yeah, it's an album about different species of whales and sort of some of the things and issues around that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Find your own entry point. Look at, look at what excites you and <laughs> pick one. <laughs> pick, pick, Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Just, you, you do you. <laughs> okay, well... Uh... I say start with soft parts. I love that song. I I will. This is it's just a very very. It's one of those songs that is. You know, there's over there's almost two thousand songs that have been recorded on the show and and live in the app, but that is one of the special ones. It's just something magical in the performance at the moment when you laid it down and it. Uh, yeah, it's just. I think it's just. I think it's amazing sometimes how. You know, I've played lots of shows. I can understand, like, there's so much of what I do, I feel like, is kind of, dis- you know, have, has done is kind of disposable. It was out mm-hmm. there and it's gone and it was wonderful in the moment. Mm-hmm. And it's weird to think that something that you did just passing through town mm-hmm. while the mics were rolling can find such a huge purchase in another person's life. But I think it's important huh. that, uh, I don't know, it's important to share that reflection with you and that's, that, yeah, that's, that song really is sacred in my, in my life. Well, that's really amazing to hear. Thank you. Um, it, yeah, it's cool. It's like a little blast in the past for me. And, uh, it's almost like looking at another person, um, backwards. So it's really, yeah. Thank you for, uh, for bringing it back up. Thank you for giving your attention and intention to this episode of Radio 8 Ball Season 3, The Appening, with our guest, Leah Abramson. Please remember to subscribe to Radio 8 Ball in your podcast app, and if you like the show, please help others find us by rating and reviewing Radio 8 Ball positively. If you tell your synchronicity story... I'll read it on the show. Of course, we encourage you to download the Radio 8 Ball app from the iTunes App Store. And finally, I do hope you'll join our Patreon campaign and follow us backstage for my Pop Oracle reading, where I asked, Will it ever be easier to talk about anti-Semitism? The Patreon link is in the show notes. We're going to go out with a recording from September 14th, 2001 at the Art Gallery of Hamilton in Hamilton, Ontario. It starts with a tribute to the victims of 9-11, three minutes of silence, the chiming of the bells, and then me and a couple of my songs. This was one of the first shows of my Curmudgeon for All Seasons tour and the first show I recorded after the events of September 11th. 2001. And with that, I'm out. Until next time, I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. Today we mourn the death 
of the victims of the events in the United States of America on September 11, 2001. May the spirit of peace and the love of human beings for each other be shown in our sympathy to all Canadians, Americans, and our others whose lives have been horribly changed by this tragedy. Chers amis citoyennes et citoyens du Canada, dear friends of all people of Canada, today we mourn the death of the victims of the events in the United States of America on September 11, 2001. May the spirit of peace and the love of human beings for each other be shown in our sympathy to all Canadians, Americans, and others whose lives have been horribly changed by this tragedy. As a gesture of friendship and solidarity with our American neighbors, let us all rise here and around the country to observe three minutes of silence. As a gesture of our friendship and solidarity with our American neighbors, let us all rise here and around the country to observe three minutes of silence.
What follows next in the program is a musical interlude, the central band of the Canadian Forces, playing two pieces of music, Cavalera, Rusticana by Pietro Mascagni, and a memorandum variation of the Enigma Variations by Sir Edward Ellis. I asked for a better opening act than that. Well, my name's Andras Jones. I live in Olympia, Washington. I was uh, in Toronto on the 11th. And I feel compelled to tell you. I, I'm, uh, I tra I'm traveling around playing songs about a lot of the stuff that I think is wrong with America, as well as things that I think are wrong with me and the people I know. I'm kind of reactionary in that way. So I was on the computer sending off emails about my shows, and someone yells in from the other room, someone ran a plane into the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. And First thing I thought was right on. And then I saw the pictures, and I, things got much more confusing. I saw how horrible it was. But if any of you had a similar reaction because of things that United, the United States has done for the last 45, 50 years, and I hope you don't feel too much shame over it. It's a very confusing time. And I, what I like to remember is that 73% of the United States didn't vote for George Bush. That means that probably 70, at least 50% of the people who lost their lives would appreciate not being made uh, martyrs to a war in the name of George Bush and his cronies' agenda. 
not really necessarily time for politics, but some crept into that. The feelings that a lot of us are feeling right now are uh, shouldn't be insulted by being used to further an agenda which will create even just more of what we saw. <clears throat> I guess I'll just play the most optimistic thing I have. How was I to know this story would have a happy ending? When I was feeling low, I guess I must have been pretending. For the angels reading over my shoulder. Because there ain't nobody calling on the telephone But somehow tonight that don't make me feel quite as alone as it did Just the other day, what was I thinking? Now there's one more figure in the picture tonight One more figure in the Tonight So I go out walking with the rain pouring down my naked feet on the warm wet ground and I wonder are the neighbors watching and what do they see? Could it be one more? supermarket grocer. He said, you're gonna keep that magazine. I said, thank you, no sir. Put it back on the rack. Said, I changed my mind. He said, if you can't change your mind, son, you can't change anything. If you can't change your mind, son, you can't That was the best advice I got all year. Now there's one more figure in the picture tonight. One more figure in the picture tonight. Have a happy ending. 
thank you for taking part. And uh, again, I hope I didn't. I don't mean to insult the, the memories of anyone or anything that's gone on, but I do want to honor the people who would not like to be made a part of something worse. That's all. So um, here's a song on my, from my CD, A Curmudgeon for All Seasons, which is a collection of anti-holiday songs about, a, about a, a guy who was unwittingly part of something worse when he thought he was doing the right thing. I'm flipping burgers for the family, yeah. In my backyard, circa 93, yeah. When one of the burgers starts to talk to me and says, Let my people go. Whoa. Well, my mind's ripped back to the days of violence that I spent upon those foreign islands when I played to voice one night and Crack the silence and say, let my people go. Let my people go. Oh, 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 it's just a flashback barbecue, what do you know? Flashback barbecue, flashback barbecue, where can you go?
It's the Radio 8 